Thank you for downloading this podcast and welcome to Arrow Bandwidth, the podcast to help the channel better understand the trends, technologies and concepts facing the IT industry today. I'm your host, David Fern. We hope you enjoy this Arrow production. And please subscribe. Thanks. Okay, hi, and welcome back to another episode of Arrow Bandwidth. And uh, once again, I am joined by my uh, my co-host from the north, Mr. Um, Richard Holmes. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, good whatever time of day it is that you're listening to us now. Yes, yes, and wherever you're listening to us. Oh, yes. And uh, we are very, very, very lucky today to be joined by uh, someone who is a really respected person in the industry. I've got to say that because he's travelled all the way across London to see us. Mr. Neil Catamore from Compare the Cloud. And good morning to you all. Hey. Good hey, morning, good afternoon, good e- evening. The ego has landed, or someone has yes. told me today. Yeah. How ironic was that statement, considering we all know who it came from? <laughs> Indeed. That's yeah. all I'm going to say on that subject. Inside joke, inside joke. So, today's podcast is all about IoT. And more importantly, it's six months, roughly six months to the day, depending on when you listen to this, it could be six years, from when we did our first IoT podcast back in season one. And, uh, and back then we had uh, we had Andy from Compare the Cloud. Now we've got Neil, Andy's uh, brother from another mother. He's <laughs> probably the, <laughs> the best way to put what it. What do you want me to say to that? <laughs> There's not much you can say. Anyway, so, um, so yeah, basically we wanted to have a bit of a review in the last six months of IoT. And uh, in, in episode one of season two, we touched, when we were talking about our trends and technologies and concepts on IoT. And we said, you know what, it's such a big and important topic. We need to do a dedicated podcast on it. So here we are. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously you have to star of the show up here. Precisely. That's a good job we've got somebody with brains in that side I can say this yeah, afternoon. Exactly. And I thank you very much. I'm hoping this is going to be another well, sit right. back and let it crack on, but uh, but we will see. I think we're much all, better looking than Andy. <laughs> <sighs> anyway. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you, you look a little bit more alive for those of you who know Andy. Anyway, so um, poor bloke. He's, poor very, he's always very Unfair. tired. Unfair. Um, so anyway, the topic for this particular one is IoT. Okay, now, and specifically, is it fit for the enterprise or is it security, scalability, and value limited to consumer gimmicks? Now, I am one of the world's biggest advocates of IoT. I think it's an absolutely a serious, serious transforma- transformative technology. But I've been personally quite underwhelmed by its enterprise adoption, by its maturity, um, and it seems like a lot of people are using, so every time I go to a conference or a show, people are using it to say, look, if I put my hand over this light sensor and take it off, it tweets. And I'm like, so what? You know, where's the real enterprise business applications, where's the, right, the enterprise tooling, the enterprise organizations that are saying, we do IoT at more than just a POC? And that sort of, I, do you know what? I hope by the end of this conversation, I'm proven so drastically wrong, I'm laughed out the room because I don't want this to be the case. But I almost need us to discuss it to come to that conclusion. Mm. So, discuss. Mm. Well, I think we are still in the wild <coughs> west of the IoT, really. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's still shaking out. Um, security is obviously key. I mean, a lot of people yeah. are holding off with that. And I think you have these low-entry products and brands mm. coming into the market. Um, for example, key finders, et cetera, et cetera, that will bleep when I lose my mobile phone without a 10-meter radius of my, my keychain, that kind of thing. Mm. <clears throat> that, that I think we have the low 
entry uh, consumer type products that are very easy to, to understand and, and to be honest, uh, they're low risk on a security mm. point of view. Um, I think on a business side, well, uh, just look at driverless cars. We've already got them running yeah. up and down the M4 at the moment. No, it's not the M4, M6 even. Oh, the, the lorries. And the lorries. Yeah. And the, yeah, yeah, and they've started trialling the cars now as well. And I quite can't see the... I think, to be honest, that's going to be really disruptive. Why? Because I think they'll probably put every Uber cab driver out of business, <coughs> and most cab drivers. Not that I want a taxi to pick me up from the house that's not driving with a human being in the front of it. Mm. I think, would I actually... Mm, would I actually trust that? Well, actually, I buy a car because I like to drive. I don't buy a car or get in a car because I want to be driven. Yeah. yeah I'm, do you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm in a mixed opinion on that topic particularly. Um, having spent seven and a half hours in a car last week coming and doing 35 <laughs> miles on an average speed, there's times when I'd like the car to drive itself. Motorways, traffic, things like that. It's very much like IoT. There's certain things in my house, my home, that I want to be automated. For example, a pet bowl, feeding my pets. I'd love that to be automated. I, it's not that I don't love my cat. Don't you get them now already? I mean, you get for goldfish. But here's the thing. Put the thing it exists, the but only a week ago, there was quite a large failure of a leading brand of IoT pet bowl, which meant that a whole bunch of animals went unfed for a couple of days. A prime example of, you know, my probably my fundamental issue with, with IoT at the moment, which is you've got people who create what, if I'm perfectly honest, are pretty beautiful-looking objects, right? They create really nice-looking, you know, for example, the Nest thermostat is the most beautiful thermostat on the planet. You know, crafted aluminium, looks really nice in your home, a thousand times nicer than those horrible white plasticky things you get from other manufacturers. However, if you can't create a digital supply chain from input to execution of said action and remote and all the other good things in between, it sort of all falls apart in my world. <coughs> I've kept quiet till now, haven't I? Um, I think we all know. IoT's only been going six minutes, mate. That's yeah, yeah, I'm going to say, give it time. It is a give record, though. Say, <laughs> I'll give everybody the go. Um, IoT is one of my kind of pet topics, I think, as, as a lot of people know. And, and Balloons. Yeah. my last comment. What? Pet bowls. You want your pet bowls? Do you have a pet like bowl, that. Richard? I, I have two pet cats. I think a smart, I think a smart pet bowl for me mm. would be one that would wash itself. Never mind, just, just <laughs> feed the animal. <laughs> but, but I digress. I digress. And I... I your scepticism and uh, and and nearly your view of sort of like the aut automated cars. I think it. We don't have a shortage of uh, of ideas of the application of connected devices. What that device might be, whether it's retrofitting something that already exists today, or whether or not it's something absolutely brand new. But it's almost like. We were talking about social media in another podcast, and, and you know when something goes viral, that's when it takes off. Is is that the measure of the deployment of a, an IoT solution when it absolutely you know, is is just flying out the door and mass adoption? You know, it's, mass adoption has taken place, and I think if that's if that's your perception of success, you've kind of got to look at well, what do I need to get there? Um, you, know, you said at the head of. Uh, this podcast, David, you know, security. 
I think security is a, it's a massive, massive, massive issue. You know, I think there's a perceived lack of a cohesive cybersecurity set of standards around IoT at the minute. I mean, you've only got to look at recently Symantec and Arm and a, and, and a number of other vendors have come out and said, you know, we're we're going to work together, and it's the uh, Open Trust Protocol is what they've decided to call call this. I suppose this this, this architecture that they've they've agreed on as being a set of standards, and you know, it, it needs things like that to happen. I mean, you can buy smart connected IoT doorbells and locks. Would I personally, working in the IT industry, would I trust the security of my house to? a smart connected device that's physically secure in my property? No. Not today, I wouldn't. There's, so there's lots of burglar alarms have been working today via the internet yeah. uh, for many years. And, you know, you just got to look at some of the stats about home router, uh, broadband routers being exactly. hacked. Exactly, mm. it's perception. But you've, you have no idea that you are. And yeah. you're just using as a... Your, your gateway as a bridgehead pushing out a, yeah. a, a DDoS attack somewhere else. Yep. Um, and that's quite apparent today. But I think you're right with the commercial. I think we should treat IoT in two different ways. Yes. One, a commercial viability for a business. And then also at, ho at home, um, how can I put it? make it the ease of use, the automation at home and retail and also uh, Amazon Echoes. I love those. Yep. Um, <laughs> I have one. Uh, it's lovely. Um, Looks it. Yeah, it is, and it works. It's a bit clunky, but I can play music. I can order things, sort of. Um, and it's interesting. Then we've got the whole IoT for retail devices. But, okay, there are manufacturers making these and connecting them, but we look at on a business world mm. of how you would have like, connected cars. You mm. know, look at Tesla. Uh, look at Honda now. Of actually, I think and there was in a UK-based company recently that suggested that they're going to roll out the driverless car before BMW and all the major providers or the tech to go into one um, way before. I mean, we're talking 2019. Everyone's projecting 2022, 23. And it's a British company. Life me can't remember who it was now. I should really know. but And I was pretty impressed with that. Yeah. Um, but however, we've got to really, really be careful that we're pushing it too quickly just for the sake of it. And we're losing... Uh, the reasons why we're doing it in the first place. Just because yeah. we can do it doesn't mean to say we should. And my point is exactly about I like to drive, so I will never, and I will say this, I will never have a driverless car. Really? Yep. That surprises me. Because I like to drive. I like my fast cars. I like mm. a bit of oomph about them. But have you also seen the cars, um, there's now an entire system, I think it's 1000 or $1,500 from America, you can retrofit any car that has what they call a smart eye or a, um, I'll, find out the, I'll find the brand in a minute, but basically the technology that allows you to do sort of range sensing and lane guidance, as long as your system is equipped with that, you can actually plug this thing into your car and it turns it into a completely autonomous car. Mm. Well, this was the first incident, I don't know if it's the same thing, there was the first incident um, earlier in the year with one of these um, retrofit packs of, uh, of an accident, and, and it wasn't the it wasn't the actual sort of out out in the motorway lane avoidance, you know, stay in lane, predictive speed sort of stuff. It was the the simple uh, push to call, 
so you press press a button on your key on a key fob and the car starts up and you know comes within a certain certain range to you know pull up and get ready for you to come in. So literally come out of the garage. And a guy in New York had retrofitted, I think it was his Corvette or something with this, and came out, pressed the button, and um, hit, a pede- hit a pedestrian, did the car. Mm. So it's the first incident of something like that. And, mm. you know, there's the, there's the very well-publicised Tesla incident from Florida a month mm. or two ago. And you just kind of think, you know, there's, there's an element of, I think, perception of adoption. I've got, you you mm. quite, rightly, quite rightly said, Neil, I don't think... I don't think twice about switching my burglar alarm off and paying for the, you know, the back-end service of it being connected to a knock. I don't give my my wireless router in my profit in my house and what I connect to that a second thought. So mm. why should I care about my doorbell? But that's completely mm. different to oh, is it completely different? It's the security elements one thing. I think, you know, we're starting to scratch the surface, you know, you get something like OTRP so, sorted and, you know, if more vendors, you know, adopt that and it becomes more of an industry-recognized standard, will we just move on to the next thing? Mm. Who owns the data from an IoT perspective? Because it's not just personal data, mm. it's anything and everything but I think that can be gathered. before you get onto the data issue, there's, there's much bigger issues to be, to be had. Like, the fact that I, I, I genuinely feel that if you look at an IoT piece of IoT equipment, you can see that a lot of care and attention has gone into the device. A lot of care and attention has gone into you know, making that device power efficient. You know, there will be huge amounts of energy and, and sort of time that space spent on ensuring that that thing has a lifetime of five years and it sits there without having to change the battery. That is a really important design mm. specification. Mm. However, the design specification... Oh, by the way, generally, in pairing with this, there'll be a beautiful sort of GUI that sits on your phone, right? There'll be a beautiful sort of app that you can download to control this piece of stuff. The control, the, the, what I call the, the digital supply chain between said piece of well-engineered equipment and said app on one's phone is pitiful. You know, the security is lackluster. The actual availability of the back-end servers aren't designed to scale. The security is, mm-hmm. is just non-existent. You know, if you look at the main, the single biggest limiting factor and the thing that's really made me very hesitant about scale adoption of IoT, mm. it is the fact that there's an entire sort of buzzword sprung up around the in, you know, internet of insecure devices, <laughs> simply because people are just, people are, this is a serious, genuine problem where people are getting hacked, people are getting issues, you know, so baby cams, yep. there's a massive yep. uh, piece of the news about them being exploited, people's home alarms, people's um, door phones, and it's Difficult to implement these things properly. You need a proper engineering, a proper security, data center, engineering team. And often these guys are three or four people who are electronics engineers who get that piece to the infinite nth degree. You know, we've even heard it in our own business when, yeah. you know, our electronics counterparts have said, you know, our IoT guys are doing amateur cloud. And that's why we need you, you know, Arrow ECS to come in and help us to, to develop and, and bring yeah. those guys to a place where their products are properly ready for the mm. enterprise. I think, you know, you're, you're dead right, Dave. And, and I always look, look at, look at cloud. Yeah. Not bring, oh, bring about the cloud. Yeah. Uh, During the war. Uh, however, you know, you look at when cloud stuff was, or the, the vibe of cloud first came out, it was Wild West again. Yeah. 
you know, until yes. the standardization, oh, we got, we, and then the acronyms, obviously, you know, PASS, IAS, SAS, blah, 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 blah. Uh, but then there is some degree of standardization. Mm. And then you standardize, and then you consolidate, and then there you have a service. I think with IoT, it's very much in its infancy mm. in the fact that we don't really know what to standardize, can we? Yeah. Um, the, the application and use for it is exactly where cloud was like a decade ago, you know, or maybe eight years ago, where we're trying to find use cases for a technology. And, you know, and it's coming uh, along the lines with driverless cars, drones, anything that's remotely managed at this moment. Yeah. But also then manufacturing, you've got the basic of basic fire alarm sensors, that mm. kind of thing. It's either on or it's off. You know, that's it. Yeah. Um, does it work? Does it not? And and it's that's a, a very good suitable case for IoT management because you've got sensors, you know, hundreds of thousands you need to manage. Smart city is a good example as well. Mm. Street lighting, you know, what time should they come on? What time they come off? How do they do it at the moment? Well, it's a timer based on a lot of street lamps. Uh, they're not really connected that much. No. Um, and a lot of them have sensors on them to assess whether it's the, whether it's dark or yeah. whether it's light. And you know, rewiring that, great. And the, the, the consumption of IoT, I think, will probably be more, um, how can I put this, on a smart city's approach than it would be in consumer. We just say, nice to have, this is great. Yeah. Um, and, you know, everyone wants uh, an interconnected home. And so I want the, the cooker to cook my dinner. Uh, I'd like to have the fridge to order me stuff that I haven't got in the fridge, which I really quite like. Um, however, would I want it to order the wrong stuff? No. And would it? And if my food goes off, I wouldn't want to reorder it again because uh, no. I don't like that food. Mm. And I'm, for yeah. some reason, I've gone off curry and I like Chinese. Yeah. But, but so coming back onto one of the devices you just mentioned, then, um, which is uh, which is actually one that you and I saw, uh, Rich, at an event we went to the other day, which was uh, basically using the streetlights as a platform. IoT. Now, I thought it was a genius idea because you've essentially got height, so that you've got you can you can assess a whole lot of different metrics around the street below you. You've got a continuous power source, which means you can actually run a lot of electronics in there, um, and it's relatively untamperable. Now, my concern is though, go on. <coughs> what is the genuine measurable business value that turns around and says to a council that already has its budget stretched to the extreme, that makes sense to me. Because this, this is, once again, another one of those limitations of this IoT strategy. Is it a bunch of techies going, that would be so freaking cool. If we could do that. But in yeah. the reality, is there business value in understanding how the streets are running? Or do you actually just say, do you know what, it's cheaper to put in cameras and measure the speed like that? I just don't know. I mean, I would love to think I'm wrong. But I'm getting worried. So, it's an interesting example you picked there because I know that, and I know what you're referring to, it's, there's more than one company addressing this whole, you know, can we, can we send, well, further sensor enable a street light, uh, what business value can we derive from it? And it comes back to this, this standards approach because I know. I can think of a few people off the top of my head, naming no names, that they're approaching it from completely different angles. One, uh, the actual um, the physicality piece, the actual street furniture piece, the, the light stand itself, 
and one the the physical light you put in. So again, it's like, well, hang on a minute, they're going to try and drive the same deliverables, but the way they'll do it completely different. Mm -hmm. Now, what happens if a council, you know, if councils adopt this and then one council's boundary changes from one to another, and it's all of a sudden, well, hang on a minute, I'm managing the trying to manage the same solution, but it's been delivered by intrinsically different methods. Add on top of that, and I think this is this is a more pertinent point. I think we will find, and I wouldn't like to say in what level of percentage, but I think a good. My gut feeling tells me at least the third of cases. The actual business value that a solution like that would would deliver might not necessarily be the business value you intended to deliver in the first place. So I'll give you a good example. The street lighting thing, right? Most councils are tied into multi-year contracts from their, um, their utility supplies, right? Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter if they switch the street lights off in a certain area at midnight and don't switch them back on at five. Because the tariff they pay won't change. Mm. So their actual cost servings might not be as big as they first thought they were. Plus, added on to that, they're switching the street lights on and off twice as many times. So you're getting Old used... Go quicker. Yes, exactly. So the actual solution that you're trying to provide isn't actually delivering any real gain, or the gain that you're delivering. You know what? It's not as big as you might think it is. It's and more of a, an, a sort of uh, PR gain. It's a because PR you're saying, gain. well, you know, I'm turning this off, I'm saving energy. The general public doesn't know that. The general public is saying, do you know what? I'm going to vote for councillor so-and-so again because he's turned the street lights off, saving energy, being green. I like that. That's a good thing to do. So rather than having IT businesses coming up with, wouldn't it be great if we can do that? A team of technicians going, we've got the technology, we can build him. We can build a billion dollar man. He's sitting next to you. Yeah, <laughs> he's here, look, there he is. Um, he's the only one in a suit today. I, I feel know. pretty bad about that. Um, anyway, so will we see more collaborative engagements? Will we see IT businesses that we work with on the, on the ECS side of things starting to leverage pre-existing relationships they've got in the verticals and actually having a more consultative load approach, saying, look, mm. regardless of we can do this, what are actually your pain points? Do you know what? I think there's two answers to that question. Go on. Uh, I'm not sure whether I should air them, but I will. Uh, We've got a, we go do crazy. have a bleeper. Go on. Oh, do you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, won't, I promise I won't swear. <laughs> um, I think there's two problems. One, what I would like to see in smart cities um, or something like that is that, you know, you, the old analogy where I'm digging up the road five times to do the same job. Yep. Mm. If you're going to fit or retrofit uh, IoT services for streetlights, why not put them wireless access points? Why not do this? To have a little bit of thought and do the job once yeah. rather than have to retrofit and go back. Oh, do I do that? Oh, I should have gone that. I should have done that. I should have done that. Have some thought about what we're doing. Dead right what you're saying, Richard. Really, the, probably the benefit for doing one particular service for a smart city approach yeah. is okay. I mean, for example, I saw, I read an article about somewhere in Japan, underneath the road, they've got wireless charging for their trains. 
So I'm, I'm amazed. Actually, it's, it, they've purposely built the roads uh, somewhere in Japan. I can't remember where it was. And it literally charges the train as it's going. Oh, I'm impressed with that. Yeah, that's quite cool. Oh, that's really cool. Uh, yeah. And not only that, they've been enabled it for uh, wireless internet all the way across at the same time underneath. So there's like, you're obviously getting dual benefit of mm. that. Um, probably because there's so many people use trains out in uh, yeah. Japan. But, uh, and then the second point, I think going forward, and this has already started to happen, I think with, with IoT and automation, uh, I think we're going to find a rage against the machine for human capital. Because yeah. You get rid of my job, and this is going to be in a big, big thing. We don't see it. We, we talk about it, and some people talk about it in bars and, or wherever they're, wherever they're doing. Yeah. Um, well, I drink, talk about it in bars with my friends. <laughs> I do have the odd tipple. <laughs> However, um, automation is going to... I mean, as we come back with IoT, with... Uber have got plans for a driverless car. Sorry, yeah. Uber drivers, you are going to be outsourced relatively soon. Um, that fee you pay to Mr. Uber is uh, going away. But then, uh, for yeah. me, and we touched on this earlier on, where's the... I, I'm, I'm totally with you. I think, actually, and I think this is a really important differentiation. Do you know what? We're going we're gonna to start it, the revolution, right here, right now. Uh -oh. IoT is now a big enough topic to start to break it into subcategories. Very much like cloud. Remember mm -hmm. when cloud was, was the only topic? Then private cloud came along, then hybrid cloud, then, I, then IS, SaaS, pass, blah, 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 blah. And we won't get into buzzword bingo again, because that was... Yeah. I enjoyed that. I won yeah, that like the last it. time we did, did it. You should have had me on. I'd have loved yeah. it. But I think... I think <laughs> he's not bitter about that. Um, I think we need to get into subcategories <coughs> of IoT now. And for me, one of the major subcategories of IoT is connected devices versus proper sort of industrial stuff. Sensor, yeah, stuff. sensors. <laughs> so connected devices being a phone, a car, something that has quite a significant amount of compute inside. So it can almost run in an autonomous mode rather than a sensor, and in my sort of the more pure IoT piece that sits literally as a completely sort of stateless device on a wall, in Reac a home, reactive. something like that. I think well, you should have an yeah. IoT challenge. We'll go on. IoT Pick a service, challenge. yeah, and do it old school and new school. So whether it be you have to get a package across town or whatever it may be in a certain time, old school, no tech, new school, whether it's a drone or whatever it is, and see who wins. Be a Top Gear style. I mean, that'd be quite cool. That could be. That could be the, like the, that. the first ever out. Bandwidth Ooh. challenge. I, I like would. that. Ooh. I like that for another day. For another day. But I mean, do we break yeah. into? Do we need to break <laughs> into those subcategories though? Because by doing that, uh, that also helps us to sort of talk about industrial IoT versus home. It starts to talk. Yeah. It starts to sort of give us that OTIT perspective as well, which is operational technologies versus sort of your more traditional data center type technologies. Yeah, and I think. I think. Personally, I would feel a lot happier if we could start to break it further down than, than we are at the moment because everything's referred to as IoT. Everything's bolted into this one category. And I think it's, it's big enough and ugly enough now to start to say, right, we need to start to put some, some rules around how this actually breaks out. Would that be a way as well of, of trying to articulate to, to the channel the, the potential benefits that you know, people like MSPs, ISVs, uh, you know, development houses can can actually start to, to leverage and 
give them a sense of the return on working on things like IoT projects. I mean, mm. Neil, I mean, you speak to you know, a, a heck of a lot yeah. of people in the industry. I mean, do you do you see do you see data center owners? Do you see MSPs? Do you see VARs? Kind of, yeah. What's their What's their view on IoT? Is it something that's a bit sort of like at arm's length, or as, as some? You know, leveraging, you know, you know, leveraging the 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 knowledge and the skills and seeing a level of success from it. It really depends the type of company you talk to, and yeah. you're looking at the, an MSP. Uh, yeah. If they're providing connectivity solutions, uh, they'll say this is an IoT solution. Well, actually, <laughs> it was a solution they've always provided. Mm. Yeah. Uh, just calling it an IoT solution because it has extended management capabilities. Um, then you talk to someone who has a, uh, for example, a development, right, a DevOps house. Yeah. Um, they'll develop to provide API connectivity to certain elements of Internet of Things devices. You mm-hmm. know, um, the channel we're trying to evolve, you know, it, when, to be honest, the channel is still catching up on cloud. I hate to say this. And they're still trying to grab what I can produce and deliver via cloud tech on yep. subscription-based services. Yeah. You throw that <coughs> IoT banner into it, they're just really confused. But can I tell you one of the things, I'm totally with you on that, and I think cloud has been a very difficult thing for the channel to pick up, but I think it's been a difficult thing for the channel to pick up for two reasons. First and foremost, it is a very disruptive technology. Fundamental, point number one. But point number two, I think it fundamentally breaks a lot of the way that they run their business, their financial models, the way that they keep the lights on, pay mm. the wages. And to that end, it's They've, it's taken a long time to get their head around how they make money out of it and how they essentially turn it into a business that is not just going to write them off as a company. Yeah. Right. And actually, if you look at born in the born in the cloud, you know, VARs and MSPs, they're screaming ahead. So, fifty-fifty on that one. But I think IoT, because it is still device-based, because it's not purely a cloud service that is becoming and heading towards the world of commoditization. For me, IoT, and I always use this phrase, it's like bringing context to rubbish, mm. right? Because you can stick something on the inside of a bin and understand when it's full, when it's empty, and when you should go and unfill it. And that's a great piece of, yeah, it's a great way to optimize a very mundane but quite expensive business process. Mm. And that's what IoT is there for. For me, it's all about how do I understand a business process that, to be quite frank, I, I didn't really have any visibility of before and make that business process more effective and save yourself money. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I think the, the Skynet of the future is about to happen, really. Uh, I think I think we're going to have a revolt of bins, fridges, and everything else ganging up <laughs> on us, making, making our food go off, <laughs> never emptying the bins, uh, playing yeah, crazy, throwing all the good stuff out. Or playing crazy like music making, when you don't want to play yeah, it, you know, making like loads hot, of disco and stuff like that. Making your house really, really hot and you're uh, yeah. running your bath for you and driving yeah. your car into and a wall. Go, <laughs> and, oh, no. You know, and it's going to be, I think, you know, people are scared by that, but actually that has a very high... Uh, probability of happening really. really when you look out in Japan when that uh, toilet manufacturer a year ago got hacked and um, oh, and yeah. it was an internet connected toilet and uh, all of a sudden the B-Day function on thousands of toilets just started to just squirt water and the yep. toilet seat going up and down because someone hacked <coughs> it because they could yeah, yeah. And, and this uh, brings me right back yeah. to the start of the whole conversation of is internet of things ready for the masses you know uh, Security, scalability, and uh, and value. Is it limited to 
gimmicks that where if they get hacked, it's not actually going to affect the business. Yeah, you're going to get some water sprayed on bits you probably didn't want to. Yeah, maybe, you know, your doorbell is going to go in, you know, absolutely bonkers. Maybe your toaster is going to burn your toast. But no one's going to die if you're talking about, you know, IoT that is, you know, a safety critical system. This is the thing, though. IoT should be the sort of technology that we should be relying upon for safety critical systems. Mm. We should be turning around and saying, I want to use IoT to help increase, you know, make better patient care, to be able to, you know, better optimise roads and better optimise, you know, lots of these safety critical areas. But I just can't rely on it enough yet, and it scares me. I don't like it because I want to be able to. I don't want to be in a situation where I feel like just the the lack of almost lack of collaboration between two different parts of a, of, a, of a business are causing an incredibly disruptive technology not to be as successful as it could be. Hmm. I, still, I still wouldn't get in a driverless car. Uh, <laughs> any doubt. If I want a driverless car, I'd get a Bentley and get a chauffeur. By the way, back Ooh, to the start, that, that technology was uh, from a company called Comma.ai. Fantastic ah. website. Uh, web name, at least. Very, very, very basic website. I'm not going to lie. Um, and it's mobile eye. So if you any car with a mobile eye in it, you can plug this thing into the uh, into the maintenance port, and it will turn it into an autonomous a Type Three. I think is the technical term for it. Type Three autonomous car. We're categorising it already. Yeah, already yeah. So there's Type yes. Four is fully like can drive itself like literally, totally self-aware car. So I press Pit, a button and a Type <laughs> on. And I think Type One was cruise control. Type Two is lane assist and radar driving. Um, so the ability to track onto a car in front of it. Type three is mm. semi is like autonomous on motorways, and type four is fully, fully, fully autonomous. But we will save most of this for a podcast. I'm sure we'll do one day on autonomous vehicles. Has there anyone got a uh, driverless car out there and that's listening? Please, I'd love to hear your experiences, good or bad. Well, we built a type three autonomous oh, car. Oh, don't look we? at me and no say way. we did built. You? Well, no, we did. Arrow did. Yeah, did you? yeah. Sam car. How did that? Oh, do? Sam car. Yeah, it's very good. It broke the world speed record for the. Um, for autonomous vehicles. Oh, wow. So it's not autonomous autonomous though. No. Because it's Driven actually by designed a quadriplegic. Yeah, quadriplegic. Okay. So yeah. But a lot of its a lot of its capabilities are fully automated. Autonomous. But once again we come back to the connected world mm. rather than the internet of sort of abstract and stateless mm. things. Which I, yeah, I just I just think we'll all end up consuming services or using products and you know ultimately we we won't we either won't realise or we'll be past any sort of preconceived social morals or, or worries. Social morals? Where yeah, are you yeah. going? Oh. Well, Skynet. Do you want me to comment? No, well, you know what? Just coming, back, just coming back to Neil's comments about, you know, the, the whole automation piece. You know, you see lots of things that you mentioned mm. with, with Uber, but, you know, you look at some of the, the delivery apps that are available now and, you know, you know, whether it be fast food, whether it be a package, you know, it's almost creating this... It's adding to this subculture of minimum wage. And yeah. you know what? There's all these sorts of things to contend with. And mm. I just think, you know what? I think ultimately the, it'll impact elements of our lives where, you know, it'll be delivered in a very specific and particular manner where things like security, scalability will be, you know, be invested in and, and will be factored in. You know, the fact that, you know, what, we can uh, we can assure a level of interoperability. We can manage in such a, um, a manner, and you know we can uh, we can pretty much guarantee the longevity of the service for X number of years to make the make the business model work. 
Would you I just don't think it will be as relevant as a lot of people are harping on about it. I mean, I, I can't believe... You know, I saw a stat this morning. Gartner say 55 million devices go online per day. Oh, just because they're going online... Where are they? ...don't mean they're going to be smart. Yeah, Connected versus they? stateless. Yep. But then saying that, the day that someone can turn around and put sensors in every river in all of the UK to understand exactly where they are, when they're flooding, when they're not flooding... And, and feed that data into an overall sort of crazy model that helps you to understand the weather and the world. That'll be the best day ever. Chris, where are you when we need you? Precisely. Did you know, someone wanted to fit a smart meter in my house last weekend. Did they? Uh, yeah, it was Tem Thames Water wanted to put a smart meter in my house. And I thought, well, okay, well, how smart is it? And the guy couldn't tell me. Uh, so, obviously... I just want to fit it, mate. Sorry, sorry, Thames Water, but they couldn't tell me. The chap, he, said, oh, he quite literally said that I just wanted to fit it. I said, well, what are you fitting? He said, well, I'm just doing my job. Don't argue with me. And I said, well, okay. Go away. So, yeah. right, and he did. Here's, here's a cracking one. So, GCHQ intervenes, and this was... Doo -doo 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 -doo, last month. GCHQ intervenes to prevent catastrophic, insecure UK smart meter plan. Yay! One key to decrypt them all. <laughs> Thank God <laughs> I told the guy to go away. prime example of how infuriating <laughs> this whole world is. Any, any, any man, any woman, any security, anything in their right mind would say, shall I secure every single door with the same key, the same key to get in? No. No, so why not, would they do it for that's this? Not, that's Thank not God just IoT, right? That's not just IoT. That's just lazy adoption. So, well, no, it's not. This is literally one of the major IoT manufacturers who had sold all this technology to a major, major UK electricity supplier who was about to ship them all out to UK homes. Awesome. And it wasn't until GCHQ turned around and said, hold on, <laughs> that doesn't quite seem right. So... Anyway. Can I ask one question, be, I guess, you, before we change the topic? Yeah. So you both, you're both pet owners. Yeah. This is yeah. not an anti-pet pet rant, by the way. That's right. You get that out there for the dog lovers and cat lovers and animal lovers. Out there. Um, what <coughs> service, from an IoT point of view, would really benefit your lives? So I'm actually building one at the moment. Oh, so yeah. I have chickens oh, as well as a cat. Oh, here we go. And oh, I chickens. cannot, yeah, oh. five chickens. And I cannot you, blink in stand. London? Well, Essex, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's yeah, country bunking, mate. Nice. Don't ask um, him to. Don't ask him to give you a definition egg? of a farmer. I <laughs> <laughs> will be here for ages. Yeah, about all about their lions and tigers. Um, so, I am building a, a door opener that basically opens and closes when it gets light and dark, counts the chickens in and out, but also does things like tells you when their food is low because they don't eat all their food in one day. So I'm not going to go out there every day and refill the food, but I want to know when it's getting empty so they're hungry or when the water's starting to discolour. So simple, right? You put a light centre at the bottom of the water bottle, you know, a water tank thing, colour it, you know, make sure it's nice and waterproof, and literally, as soon as the light sensor stops seeing a certain amount of light, the water's gone ever so slightly green, I go in and claim it's in the water. Mm. Really, really simple, right? Connected water feeders. The food, really simple again. Another set of light centres, buried halfway down the, the food bowl. As soon as they eat enough to get down to the, for the light sensor to see light, it immediately makes me aware of a little web app that I have a website I've developed. Richard, I don't know what to say about that. Well, you know what? There you go. Cat, cats are easy, yeah? I just put yeah. a cat flap in and gave the, gave the kids uh, a, a pound a week to, to, <laughs> to feed them. So, you know, 
I will applaud you, David, but there are simpler Thanks, ways mate. of fixing the solution. I'm all over a bit. I like that, <laughs> can't I? <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Where's my eggs? Do you know what? We, we eat them. We, we eat loads of eggs. Mm-hmm. But no, but no, no, seriously, give me, this is the thing, right? Give me an Arduino. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I'm putting more security into this a, system. Rent now. I'm putting more security <laughs> in this system <laughs> than, I, than these freaking smart meters, which are developed for the UK government. It's just, oh. anyway, look, like guys. Farming definitely has got a, a great uh, yes, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. application definitely. for IoT. But anyway. And about you, Richard? Me? Something to make yourself life, your life oh, much fine, easier. Mate. Um, it, 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 it is running out of pet food. It is as simple as that. Because it always, it always, yeah. really? always happens yeah. at the but your life in a puppet Oh, but you're talking yeah, because I'm the one that gets sent out to go and get the pet food. But you're talking about more in the bag, right? So you'd need an IoT pet like feeder decanter rather than the bowl because the bowl's a robot. That's what you want. Uh, no, I'm, a manservant. I, I reckon I could backward engineer your smart scales, mate. <laughs> mm. Easy. And on that bombshell, (laughs) I think it's time to end. Everyone, thank you ever so much. Neil, much appreciated today. It's been absolutely brilliant. And uh, I'm sure you'll be back again very soon for another podcast. Rich, what can I say? It's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. It always is. Thank you, gentlemen. Once again, our producer has been Hannah Jenny. And uh, you've been listening to another 40 minutes of Arabella. Thank you very much. Brave save. Thank you.